joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. It's Jesse Cove and Martin Cove. We got our cigars ready for you. What are we smoking, Dad? We're smoking um, Romeo and Juliet at Short Churchill's. Mm. See, they can't prepare. They're not playing games. They, they, they have it. Uh, they have the cigars. Maddie, what do we have? Got a little uh, little SP-1014 action from our, our brother, Sanj. So you got a, a Dominican Puro. And as we know, I'm a Lancero guy. All about the construction in these. So incredibly pleased with the smoke. You talk about construction of a cigar. You know who sent me a half a dozen cigars? Kevin Malone. Ooh. The mailman. Great yep. basketball player. So he sent me his cigars and their torpedoes. And they're really delicious. You know, the Dominicans, they're delicious. I smoked one. I guess it depends on your mood. If you want to sit and watch 1883, we get something a little longer. And his was just delicious. It was a torpedo. There's a wrapper on there, Kevin Malone. And I gave it to someone who's a ma major basketball freak. And they loved it. They just loved it. I was so happy they liked the cigar, you know, because everybody loves Kevin Malone. But we, we just came back. We just saw, um, I just saw the uh, Karate Kid musical. Uh, it, it premiered in St. Louis. Yeah. It'll go eventually to Broadway. I'm so happy because it was so good. And the guy who steals the show is the guy who plays my character. It's a great Afro-American character named Alan Green. Great actor. And all the Cobra Kai scenes are all in bright red light. And they're all, the Cobra Kai are in they're in gold and black yees. And like all the Cobra Kai scenes steal the show because, you know, villainy on Broadway is always, you know, whether it's the Phantom or whether it's, you know, Dr. Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes, they're always presented with such glitz, you know, especially in a play, especially on a big stage, you know, in New York. It's great. It was great to see. And it'll make it to be so cool for you to actually see that and sit back and, and take it in and enjoy it, knowing that without what you've done, that would never have taken place. That's got to be a hoot, yeah. man. It's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. what Robert, Robert came in, the writer who was there. You know, he said his dream was to have Ralph. Ralph went this weekend and um, Billy saw it last weekend. And um, he says his dream was to open up this years ago, is to open Karate Kid as a play on Broadway and the three of us get out of a limo and we join him like in that show The Offer, you know, and when they're getting when they're getting their, you know, Academy. Well, they ultimately got the Academy Award when they're getting, you know, the accolades as they pull up to the theater on the night Godfather is opening. You know, I, I just saw that and I saw the play. Yeah, it was all the same feelings, you know. And yet Karate Kid opened 35 years ago to the theaters. Now it's opening up. It will be on Broadway within the year. And it'll be full circle. You know, movie, TV, play. I got to yeah. make sure to catch that live on Broadway. Yeah. And that sure. now is, is St. Louis the only place we can see that now? It closes this week. And uh, it's been there for a month to work out the kinks. Right. And I don't know the schedule. I'm sure you can Google it. And right. find it's, out. Getting, it's getting rave reviews, so it's going to definitely. It's, it's really, go really good. I mean, right. the hardest thing I think anybody to do. We all can see a successful play and make a movie of it, like Streetcar, like sure. you know, in, any number of things. You know, um, that we can go right West Side Story. We can go from the play, boom, we make a movie of it. But to me, the greatest 
the greatest accomplishment was that he transitioned the appropriate scenes from the movie now onto the stage. That's harder, you know, because a movie, we got millions and millions of dollars to do whatever the hell we want. But on a stage, you don't have that kind of budget and you got to keep the audience involved. You can't, it can't be a visual special effect that keeps them involved. You got to keep them involved with character, you know, with plot. That's it. And, and the music, of course. Right. And um, th th he does. Robert Kamen does a wonderful job of, uh, you know, of accomplishing that for the stage. It really does. Yeah. And and they're doing the moves as they sing too, right? Yeah. yeah. They're all, all the moves, wow. all the stuff, and the nice. music is is terrific. It got they got they were working on this for six years, you wow. know, working it in like you do with hair, you know, working it in different workshops going to discos, going to all the places. I knew when I was acting in New York, you know, you, you work things out at Cafe La Mama, you go off off Broadway, work stuff out, then you go to off Broadway, then you go workshop it again, then you take it to Philly, Boston, St. Louis, then bam, you're ready for New York, you know? Yeah. By the way, speaking of these cigars, you should tell them when we first tried these cigars and how we became obsessed with these. The they said this about well, no, no, before that, remember? Oh, yeah. So we were in Havana, and um, we had just taken the tour of, of the Particus factory. and Which was unbelievable, but just to be in the Particus factory in Cuba was like, I mean, we felt, he turned into a little child when we went in there. It was like, it was like a kid on Christmas. It was like, I mean, there was, I've never seen so many cigars in my life. I mean, we're talking like millions of cigars. It was just, I mean, you walk into a room and you'd see 100,000 cigars just sitting there on a, in a room. I mean, it was just, and then we saw them actually, the, we saw them rolling the tobacco actually from the leaves, you know, stretching them out and everything. I mean, it was, it was a educational, but also just, it was incredible. And, and they said, you, you can't film anything. You can't film anything with people doing it. It was just a factory law. But the tour guide, who was so cool, he, he, he was a big fan. He says, give me a camera. He gave it to an employee, and he told the employee to walk around. And take photos inside. And take videos of photos inside the factory room. And it was such an education. They were so nice. So we go downstairs after all this, and the head of publicity comes up. It's a gorgeous Cuban woman. Gorgeous. And she comes up with a three box, three cigars in a box. She says, we just got this contract you smoke these and it was a romeo and juliet a white it wasn't a white churchill it was just the churchill same cigar this is a little shorter and he said just try these these will be the cigars of your life and and we smoked them went to the hotel central sat on the roof and just smoked them overlooking cuba and all the funny looking cabs that are in pastel colors with white leather interior it was just a, a do you have that picture here? I do have it. Where is it? It's hanging over the bookcase. I'm gonna go get it. In my you guys will like this. <laughs> it feels, feels so like that Ernest great. Hemingway moment, right? You yeah. felt like Hemingway for a little bit. It was, it was. And we went to the Hemingway house, you know? We did the Hemingway right. house, you know what I mean? And then we ended up in the Hotel Central on the roof. The guy's bringing us coffee and we say, let's try these cigars. So we try them and they're brilliant. Just brilliant mix of flavor, quality, and not getting you buzzed, you know, just 
easy. It's the kind of reason why we smoke cigars, so we can read, we can sit in the back, we can do nothing, look out on the property, you know? So we created this photograph. Oh, wow. Oh, how cool is that? That is great. Yeah, that's us sitting on top of the hotel and just, I mean, enjoying these. That's the first time we smoked these church, uh, the, the, the Churchill Wides for the first time. That's cool. That's and, very cool. It just it just became our favorite cigar, you know. And your favorite. And uh, Martin, when you think back, I mean, I know you've been a cigar fan for a while. What was, do you remember your first cigar and who it was with? Oh, of course. Do we make, remember the first time we were with a girl? Jesus. <laughs> was you it know, the same story or? You know, <laughs> it was, oddly enough, I was in Vancouver and I heard stories about Cubans. Yep. But backing up a little bit, my first cigar years ago was a Royal Jamaican. And it was yeah. a little shop on Sunset. And I used to go there. And they were light cigars, but they were very flavorful. And they were Royal Jamaican cigars. I smoked them for several years. And someone talked about Cubans. And I, uh, I did a movie in Vancouver, I don't know, in the 90s sometime or the 80s. And um, I went to a cigar shop and I tried Hoyo de Monterey, Epicure, Hoyo de Monterey. You know, they were didn't even have a label on them. They were in a square box and they were light, very light. But that's what I needed. Something so smooth and rich, rich, you know, not with a bite. And then you got wonder, what am I doing? But this was silk. And you can read your script, read a novel. You can just listen to music. You can do everything. And it was heavenly. And that's why, you know, the, the earth in Cuba is different than every place else. The thing is lithium there. And you, when you take a Cuban seed and you, you bring it to another country, it's not as good because the earth is what makes the difference, you know? Yep. And especially in the 90s, right? How many times did we hear about people telling to try my cigar because it had Cuban seed Peloto in it, right? And then you're looking at the cigar, you're like, no, I, I, I don't think so, guys. But exactly that. That was when that whole cigar world exploded. And yep. there was a cigar lounge every other block, you know. I like smoking the Trinidad's as well. That's a that's a great cigar. The, uh, the long um you know, the yeah. long, thin ones. Those are Cohibas. Yeah, right? Pantellas, if they're really long, you got the A's. Yep. Yeah, like those a lot. We yeah. also smoked uh, long a little while ago. We'll get back to it, but the Partagas Solomons. Those huge cigars. Well, huge cigars. I, I I remember giving Nick Cage a box of those, you know. That was right, we, at the Beverly we, Hills Hotel. We sat there forever with that cigar. It was such a long smoke. <laughs> I think we talked about every movie ever made, you know. You finished reading like three scripts. Yeah, yeah. Those, those all. <laughs> you sit there and, you know, it, tape, it goes wider and then it goes narrower. You think you're going to be over soon. It's another half hour. By the way, I have to thank you guys for um, sending these to us. Oh, uh, they're just so welcome. I can't wait to try them. Uh, my dad doesn't drink, but uh, he'll definitely have a sniff of these. Um, and I'll tell him how great they are. Oh, I love, I, I'm one of those guys who loves smelling alcohol. I love really smoky tastes. I don't drink it, but I really, you know, I really enjoy. What a guy. I just love, like, these these other things. They, the, 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 they said this, this, this. <sighs> Which one? This. Yeah, yeah, the, the buzzard's roost. The buzzard's yeah. roost, just alone. I mean, just, to, like, there we go. Just to 
it's really different. It's really different. It has all these flavors, you know. Now, it's the one that you may have there, Martin, we sent both the uh, the hard truth from Indiana. That's from uh, Nashville, Indiana. Uh, the rye whiskey and the smoke grill. That buzzard's roost is one down out of Kentucky, and I think one of the ones you guys have there is the uh, cigar rye. Yeah, that's this one right here. Yeah, yeah they actually use cigar rye. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. they what, use what? real Kentucky tobacco, and they cold smoke the rye with the propri proprietary process. They don't, but they actually they don't tell us how they do it. But they're able to influence through the barrel and the tobacco, the actual tobacco onto that rye. It's beautiful. Really? So I don't ever do this. I don't ever drink publicly like this, but I will try this because this is a very special moment. I'm, All right. I'm we appreciate it. Thank but you. And, there you go. and he put the bottles. Thank you for that, Jesse. We got the bottles behind us. Cheers. Delicious. All right. Cheers. Oh, do I love that smell. It's, it's good. Cheers, Jesse. Well, really nice. Salu, I will live vicariously Martin. through you guys. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having a sip of that. I think you're going to love the taste of this with the cigar. I just, I love the pairings, the way the flavors can help Man, elevate. It's almost like... It's almost like syrupy. Anyway. It's like really yeah. very strong. God, so beautiful. Yeah, smooth. Very smooth. Yeah. We love smooth. We love it the pairings. I should probably ask Jesse that, that same question. First cigar, was it was it with your dad there? Or what was your first cigar, Jesse? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I think it was, I'm trying to remember. I must have been probably, so we, we do, uh, my dad and I do, um, we're part of a, a group called the Hole in the Wall Gang. Uh, and we go on horseback every year in Wyoming where Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid used to ride and hang out. And these guys have been doing this since the 70s. My dad came in the mid-70s. No, mid-80s. Mid-80s. And it's a group of like 50 guys. Um, and we basically ride horses for like five days. We camp out, you know, play music, campfire. We have food that's cooked for us. Um, it's really a, a special experience. You're off the grid. It's just really nice and relaxing. And you know they carry out the Western traditions and things like that. Cigars, all vintage, all vintage. vintage. Nobody wears baseball caps and stuff. Yeah, they all. Everybody's in vintage cowboy gear, and it's a celebration of the American heritage. Yeah, and there's there's Jews up there. There's Christians. I mean, everybody who loves the West is up there, um, and uh, it's really just it's a great experience. I think I and you're allowed to go when you're 18. And I think I, I think I had my first cigar probably up there with you guys. Yeah, I think so. I was allowed to go when I was 18. He let me have a cigar up there. And I had a cigar in the real, like, old-fashioned out in the West. You know, it was really – it was a cool experience. And, um, you know, I, I'll never forget that. And I, I think, you know, obviously I, I definitely enjoy having a, a great cigar with my dad every now and then and friends back home. Um, and um, funny enough, uh, um, Weston Cage Coppola, who's uh, Nicholas's son – uh, he's a dear friend of mine. He and I love to smoke cigars together. I should actually have him come on with you guys. He'll, he'll love to chat with you. Nice. Um, he's a terrific actor. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, having a cigar is always a we, – we'll sit in the jacuzzi here and have cigars at night, you know, and uh, just enjoy ourselves. It's just such a – it's just so relaxing and, and a nice, um, you know, tradition to do. I personally find when I would go to Aspen when I was skiing and I'd go to Aspen wherever I was, Especially Aspen, because people always, you know, they don't, they, they come and they ski every day and they got to get as much skiing in as they can. I don't. I go one day, I hang out in the jacuzzi and have a cigar if it's the second day. Then I go, maybe I'll go skiing the third day. But the highlight is to sit in the jacuzzi in Aspen in the snow with a cigar. That's good. 
It's you a know? good introspective moment, right? That's what makes cigar smoking so amazing. So it's either yep. something you do where you're socializing with, with the bunch of your your friends, or the next moment it could be you're just uh, reflective, sit back, chill out. Like you said, great probably to read over scripts or just uh, or just be able to chill out from a long day. So that's what makes it just so amazing. Because yep. obviously you could use it either way, right? Great socialization tool, or great when you're sitting back on your own and you just need to be reflective and introspective and just uh, chill out and enjoy the moment. Yeah. Some of the best conversations I've ever had in my life have been over cigars or just tobacco yeah. in general. I, I used to smoke cigarettes. I, you know, I don't like to say that too much, but I, I quit years ago. And, you know, I've always, some of the best conversations I've had were over cigarette breaks, either on set or with other people or musicians, artists or whatever, or, you know, obviously cigars. So definitely brings people together in a certain way. Not that I'm condoning smoking for anyone who's watching, but uh, <laughs> disclaimer, uh, it's at your own discretion. Well, and, and we'll have to say, uh, you know, what a what a thrill it's been for all of us, uh, like Maddie and I, and I know so many of those watching, uh, when when Cobra Kai uh, came back, uh, season one, of co course, uh, Jesse uh, in that as well, but that, that moment right at the end, uh, when uh, Sensei John Kreese appears, and you appear actually with a, a cigar. That was that was the that was the uh, that was the moment. The moment that was the moment. Uh, was that something that they just said, "Hey, we, you should do this"? Did you say, "I want to appear with the cigar"? Tell tell us about that. You know, I, I wrestle with that moment a lot because um, I it often says, "What's your?" You do panels, and they often ask you, "What's your favorite scene?" And my favorite scenes really are that the entrance, pretty much. And, and I guess season three going through the window with my my favorite scenes are with Billy mostly because right. there's such history between Johnny Lawrence and John Kreese. We don't even have to act. We just you look at each other and everybody reads 35 years of, of Karate Kid movies into every moment of Cobra Kai. Even even uh, that's interrupting. We interview we have our own podcast um, kicking it with the coves which we could talk about there, but we had Ralph on uh, and even Ralph had mentioned about how when he watches uh, my dad and Billy Zapka who plays Johnny Lawrence, when he watches the two of them together, it's, it's so fascinating for him to even watch them because there's such, you know, father son dynamic and just the history of them. And so it, it's nice to, to see that as well. It's just the truth. And, and that scene holds such richness, you know, was the cigar, they knew I smoked cigars, and the three writers are great guys. They're like 42 years old Star Wars fans, but they're Karate Kid fans. They saw the movie when they were six, you know, and they've been fans. So they write so well, and that's what makes the show so good. But that one line, you know, the real story is only just begun. The real story. You know? <laughs> and I, when I say that line, I've got the cigar, and I exhale, and I look at that scene it all you know that whole it's so much easier for an actor to be able to emote stuff that comes easily to the tongue you know we've all guest starred on stuff in the 70s and it was you know these they used to crank out all those shows and and a lot of it was tough to do you know the written word isn't there you can't just fly with it you know cobra kai all the written words are there and you're able to fly with it so when i came in and i had the cigar they gave you know the scene was written with a cigar because the writers know i smoked and i did request it and they gave me these cigars that were 
inexpensive cigars the prop guy and i was getting a headache so i had cubans of my own and i brought them because i i've been in this position before where you get prop cigars and you're dying you know just you get you dizzy you can't cardboard remember the, cigars cardboard it's like smoking you know it's just like smoking corrugated paper you know <laughs> and and so i i hated it but you know the reason why i don't use my cigars because you got to cut up the cubans and make them the same size as the continuity. So if you got half a cigar, you start to see with half the cigar, you got to cut up five cigars because you're going to do 10 takes and you got to cut up, you know, 30, $40 cigars. And I hated doing that, you know, <laughs> smoke them two puffs, cut new cigar. And then you got a whole, you got 12 cigars that have been puffed twice, you know? So now we know what your new film writer is going to say for anything that you work on. Hey, I need about 15 boxes of Cubans or this really isn't like going to be right. Good ones. Well, it does get that way because as the season progressed, I insisted on the better cigars, you know, and um, I got them. But what's interesting is that, that when I did it, I did it with a Cuban cigar. It was a little smoother. It was a little easier. And um, I mean, there are good Dominicans out there. There's no question about it. But for my palate at that moment, there's so much tension to get, because remember, this guy's coming in. And when I came in and I hit my mark and I said my line in the first rehearsal, I heard from Video Village on the other side of the dojo, 10, 15 people watching the monitors. And all of a sudden I hear a, right after I said the line, I hear a, oh. It was like they finally got the sensei to say their first line, you know? And they were waiting for this for the whole season because it was episode 10 and I couldn't, I couldn't even appear. I had to hide in my room that week because they were shooting the All Valley Tournament and they couldn't have any extra see that John Priest was coming in, you know? And it was, it was very exciting. It was extremely exciting. And um, we owe it all to the writers. I've said a thousand times, you know, came and wrote a great script. And I, I said it to Ralph and, you know, all the time I said, came in with feel that the that, that Robert came in the writer would feel that it was the chemistry of Yagi and Ralph that made the success of the movie. I don't. I feel as I do it for every movie that writes words that we say over the years, over and over again. Force be with you, frankly, Scarlet. I don't give a damn. From Gone with the Wind, Casablanca. Play it again, Sam. You know. You hear all these great, great lines, you know, Adrian, you know, I mean, these are, these come from great movies that were written well in total. Yeah. So the it's been immortalized. Line, that, that's when you know written. something's amazing. It's been literally immortalized. Yep. Literally yeah. immortalized. That's a very good phrase. Literally immortalized. And um, I feel that way about the Karate Kid. His words are the star, not Marty Cove, not Ralph Ma and Ralph kind of you know agrees with me because we talked about it last week on the podcast so it, it's been a very exciting run it's a 40-year phenomenon and season five airs september 9th and you know on netflix and it's very exciting there's so many surprises so many exciting things i'm really sorry i can't talk about it much but it's really brilliant and the world is just waiting for it you know yeah it's it, uh of course, I'm sure there's people watching right now that are going to be curious about what happens in season five. And I mean, we should probably go ahead and say 
if you're watching this, we may mention some things that would be spoiler alerts for the ones that are already out there. Of course, we leave you in season four um, with uh, with kind of some bad news, right, uh, Mark? Well, he goes to jail. That, goes to jail. You go to jail. Goes to jail, but I can sit. I, I, yeah, so I really, obviously he's in handcuffs. He's, 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 he's going handcuffs. He's going downtown for a while. I feel we should have put a bit. I feel we should have put in a disclaimer, Tom, before before people. Here's went a, I'll give you one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe I'll put before when I put the post. I'm like, here's a disclaimer, right? Yeah. No, no, no. We no. we will see we will see you though again, right, Martin? You're not just going to be in behind bars. I'm, we will be no, seeing no, no. you in this one. Nothing. No. Would John Kreese ever just be in bars? I don't think so. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> Come on, Tom. It was, it was shameful that you asked that, Tom. We'll have to talk later. No, no. We know <laughs> we're going to see him again. He's on a dinghy boat in the ocean. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like putting John Gotti in jail, you know? Yeah. Mm -mm. As a New York guy, nope. <laughs> you got to remember, like in the offer, they say, you know, these the sauce is so important to cook. These guys have a family dinner, and then they go out and they and they cap people, you know? But the sauce of the meal prior to them going out and doing business is very important. And from what I understand on the uh, the Karate Kids, the original Karate Kids, uh, you all would train separately, the Cobra Kai uh, versus the Miyagi. Uh, you were training separately, then you would come together. Obviously, there was, there was good chemistry, but you would be training separately, even off screen. Was that the case for the Cobra Kai series as well? Well, it, it's a little different because the kids get a little less time than we do. Right. Billy, Billy and Billy Ralph and I get a little more time to work things out. That fight, say, in season one, because we didn't really do, we just did it on the periphery. We rehearsed it a little, not much, because I was only up there for a week. When we started season two, and the, and the whole big sell was, and you'll love this, on the podcast, we talk about this because we did the writers, and it's a great podcast to listen to that where the writers came on the show. They were quite apprehensive to sit me down in Dan Tanner's and have and offer me the show because I was coming in on episode 10, episode 10 only. And I would say, well, why can't I come in episode five and six? And they would say, well, you're going to really be setting up season two. Your appearance will set up season two, and then you'll be in every episode. They were afraid based on my character in Karate Kid 1, that I was the asshole, the tough guy that was going to wring their neck because they only wanted me in one episode of season uh, one. And they were afraid that I'd get angry at the table and possibly do something physical. It's <laughs> a word of honor. I never knew this till I did the podcast. He's a sweetheart. <laughs> I, I cried supermarket openings. You know what I mean? So, so... It's really interesting for me to, to see now all the people come back after season four and they come to an autograph show. I chat with them anywhere in Publix or wherever. And they all say, you know, we're really getting to like your character because your character is transitional. We see what made him the way he was. And he's not all bad like we thought he was, you know. And that to me showed us so much perception because I only signed on if this show, this TV show could work texture into the character, give him a little vulnerability. And it, the public is seeing that now, which is very exciting for me, the actor, you know? 
Oh yeah, it adds, it adds a whole lot, new layer of depth to it, right? So that makes things even even cooler. It brings in the audiences even more. So absolutely. And Jesse, when Jesse did his show, I mean, we we talked about it yesterday. We had the stuntman Ken uh, Bearfield on the podcast yesterday, and um, we talked all about uh, tell them because yeah. Ken was the other guy in the scene with him. That's his friend. They both get out of the car and they go in and they get their asses kicked in the back by the young crease, you know, and it was, it's just wonderful. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, obviously like we, we talked about, like there's so much fighting that happens in Cobra Kai and stuff. And we chatted about that. Ken, Ken had this great story he talks about because in the diner sequence, Ken is also my dad's stunt double on Cobra Kai. So in the diner sequence, which is a flashback scene with young crease, I play the bully, who you know, bullies young crease. And, um, and, uh, it was uh, it was just so much fun. I mean, there was so much going on, and uh, it was the story he said was he is Crease's stunt double, looking at Young Crease, who's then going to fight Young Crease, while Crease is watching all of us and with Crease's son, all of this. So it's like this multiverse of craziness going on, and it was really cool. I mean, we had such a blast doing that that whole segment. It was just so much fun and for him to watch was just great and uh you know we definitely had cigars afterwards uh that day which was which was awesome and you know it's been it's been a great experience and it's been really fun to see people you know just enjoy this the show so much and you know they just did a in la they did cobra kai live which was they had all most of the cast in, a, in at the microsoft theater I mean, there must have been a thousand people there in person oh it's more it's like three five four thousand people there he filled the whole place and they did interviews and they did a couple live stunts on stage and it was just so cool to see the fandom of you know the cobra kai universes whether they're miyagi do fans eagle fang fans cobra kai fans it was just it was it's like a marvel super uh avengers universe it's amazing yeah and I, i'll go ahead and put it up here since you all just mentioned it the name of the podcast you all do is called Kicking It with the Coves. Yes, that's uh, right. On Spotify or on Apple. Yep. Nice. And Check leave it. reviews if you like it. But yeah. It's really, we have had, you can, they can go back and, and look up the old. We've had Chris Jericho on. We've had yes. a lot of, the, most of the cast from the show on, the writers. Uh, Ralph's coming on. Uh, we are going to interview uh, Johnny Lawrence soon. A lot of Peyton List, Jacob Bertrand. Joe Co, uh, a lot of the different cast members. It's been, it's just been, and my sister is on the show with us, uh, which is fantastic. And you, you just love it. It's a great sit down, very much like this. And we, you know, it's it's a family show as well. So it's kind of cool to talk about all this stuff as a family. Kick it, kicking it with the Coves. Uh, right. I can imagine uh, guys just having all these, all these original characters from the uh, original Karate Kid uh, franchise back together. I mean, doing doing this continuing story what's that what's that been like just personally uh, just well i, I think the okinawa situation when i watch the okinawa stuff which is season four four yeah season four it was so touching especially the girl who played his love interest when they sit down at the table and just ralph and and her and i wasn't even involved in that one of the writers hayden schlossberg he went to to um they went to Japan and did all those scenes. And um, when I watched it the first time, it was so soft and gentle and wonderful. It was so meaningful. And then, you know, when, when he gets involved with 
everybody's older now. So you're looking at their faces and they all, they all maintain their character so well, you know? And the last time we looked at Karate Kid 2, I don't know, I mean, it's been a long time. And uh, you, all these characters were rich in Karate Kid 2 because it, you know, they went to Hawaii to shoot it, but it was based, based in Okinawa. And um, it, it, it really, that, that group that was in, I would say, Karate Kid 2 moved me the most in Cobra Kai. And they're going to be and on, as you'll see when you guys watch uh, upcoming episodes. But I, I truly enjoy the kids the most. When they ask me, what character would you like to be out of all the characters? They always ask that in panels, aside from John Kreese. And you know what I say? I, I say usually Hawk or Tori. Yeah. You know, and Tori mostly, because a female warrior like Sandal Bergman in Conan, you know, I mean, you know, whether it's Wonder Woman or whether it's something else in there, the Amazons that were in Wonder Woman. There's something marvelous or a great female tennis player, you know. I mean, the way they backhand, the way they hit, it is just, it's just a pleasure to watch that. Yeah. It's the strength of a guy where women weren't allowed to be that strong over, you know, the last few decades. Now, all of a sudden, we see that wonderful competition. And I think it's terrific. I, you know, I think it's just terrific. And, and bringing that level into Cobra Kai and having the female warriors there being very serious, as serious as I am, which is why Martin Cove and John Kreese is attracted to that kind of disposition, you know? I, I can tell the kids have some, truly have some real talent and some real passion for this. They don't get rehearsal time, man. Yeah. They get two, three days. That fight scene in the school that we talked about yeah. yesterday, the fight scene in the house, Ralph's house, these kids get two days. I mean, we get two months because we're old, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so we got to perfect this, you know, and um, we all try to do our own stunts anyway. Uh, but going through a window, I, I, I let the stunt guy do that. But, you know, I mean, the kids are great athletes. They're doing, you know, wonderfully. And uh, and they're good. They're good martial artists. And they weren't, weren't all really... Tori didn't know anything about martial art. You know, Peyton, she wasn't a martial artist. And she's developed into this wonderful warrior. So some of them had had, had, had training, but some of them never yeah. until they came on. Well, Billy was just in a wrestler. He didn't have training. And to get back to your original question, training us separately created the mystique. Training Cobra Kai separate, Miyagi and Ralph separate, and me separate. Three hours a day, we worked out. And Pat Johnson, who was our stunt coordinator, who was the referee in all the the red shirt with the black mustache, he was the referee in Karate Kid 1 and 2. And, you know, he was... He was our stunt coordinator, and he ran with Chuck Norris in the 60s and 70s in the tournament scene worldwide. So he was the partner. Bruce Lee loved that guy's work. His name is Pat Johnson, and wanted him to play a villain with Chuck in all of his movies. And they didn't really want to do that. But they were just great fighters, softest-spoken guys, including Chuck. Because I did a two-hour walk at Texas Rangers, and... Nicest guy. He had twins when I had these kids. 
who's just the sweetest guy. But these guys get on the wrong side of them, it's over. <laughs> bye bye. You know. <laughs> All right. Tell us, hey, tell us uh, for everybody watching down below what maybe one of your favorite scenes from Karate Kid or uh, Cobra Kai. Uh, you're watching uh, Bourbon Blog Cigar mm -hmm. Saturday Live. And, uh, you know, we should probably mention um, there's someone else. Maddie, you did a little fighting or some sort of martial art back in the day, didn't you, Maddie? I, I did Muay Thai for about uh, 15 years. Uh, after I decided oh. that I, I started bruising the peach at a, at a certain age. It became training and promoting uh, some of the sport. And uh, I just love it, man, because um, it teaches you a certain respect for these martial arts, how it's done, the fluidity of movement. Um, it's a cliche thing to say, but it's really how spiritually involved, you know, right? Some of the best fighters on the planet, you take a Bruce Lee about how spiritually involved in the martial art you have to be that actually takes you uh to that next level i like muay thai because uh, a lot of the ferocity of the sport you know knees elbows shins um you know you talk about a martial art that really is is, is put together as 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 combat you know you know a total combat martial art so you know i love that and then obviously i'm a little bit older so then you watched uh evolution go on and then you watch all these mma guys and you're like okay these guys have their ground game, their Brazilian jiu-jitsu, their strikers, they have karate, they have twi uh, taekwondo. Um, and it just goes to show you just how much goes into the art. And for you guys to, to sit back, not just as actors, but to bring this into the fold too. And it becomes part of not just who you are anymore, the role. Uh, Martin Jesse, I, I have to say, it probably becomes part of your personality too, because it takes a mental toughness to go through all the training and everything else. So that's probably, you know, that's one of probably the added pluses of, of doing roles like that, because that adds to who you are as a person. Yes. Well, unquestionably, yep. you know, it often comes up. It 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 comes up as positive or as destructive at times. You you a lot of John Kreese because last year we did two seasons, and so I'm six months in this guy. Even though I broke it up with Dancing with the Stars, I was six months in this guy, and it's rough. You're six months in a character, and he's a vindictive guy at times. And then there are times when he cares about Billy and, and, and all that emotion comes up and all. But in, in my relationship with a woman, I tell you, it's gotten in the way because you just, it's John Kreese's way or it's no way or it's the highway. And that's gotten in the way of being more sensitive and patient in relationship and I caught it you know I caught it and I, I worked on being more patient I worked on in the off season I worked on being more tolerant in situations where um, you know John Kreese just became embedded in me and I had to release it I had to get rid of it and um, I was a lot happier but the discipline the positive part the discipline of being able to analyze why your way is better than their way. Why they made a mistake at the airline. You really made a mistake. I'm not sitting there. I'm sitting over here with my girl. And that's wrong. And you just hold it. And you hold that stare. And you hold that John Kreese intention, intensity. Excuse me. You made a mistake. Why don't you just look at the paper again? It's real. And they make a mistake. And the mere fact so. That kind of discipline of believing in yourself and believing 
in who you are, that you are right, works. Take it a little too far, you got to readjust. So that's why, you know, John Kreese always approached karate as an offensive sport, while Miyagi approached it as a defensive art. And that's where Cobra Kai versus Miyagi-Do, you know, boom. They don't meet. Which is beautiful, right? That makes... Yeah. That's that's what makes us so amazing because that that conflict is what creates everything, right? Your spirituality over your ferocity or vice versa. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, right exactly. now that 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 yin yet, then that's what the world's about, right? Yin yang. So that's what I think that's why everybody now. I mean, it's it's being a cultural icon to do something that you know three and a half decades later, and to still enthrall people the the same way. I mean, I don't know if 30, 35 years ago you thought it would be mainstream. Of, of pop culture and it is mainstream of pop not culture a, every day i mean not, amazing my, my wife at the time i was doing a picture in eugene oregon i'll never forget this i get on the phone and your mother she just saw karate kid at at the theater on hollywood boulevard i think it was man's chinese theater and she saw it and i said because i never went to the premiere and i said how was it and she says oh the movie was great the movie was great i said how was i she says, you're okay. <laughs> and I, I, I took a long pause on the phone. And I, I didn't want to make it egotistical, but I said, I was just okay. And, you know, the guy is one-dimensional. But somehow people enjoyed. They didn't know whether to hate to love him or love to hate him, you know. And you, you migrate. Because I look back at that movie. And I, I look at it with Jesse and we say, he never smiles. He just doesn't smile. His kids win, ice. His kids not doing so well, ice. And it's just, you know, it's interesting. It's just really interesting. And until you get to Karate Kid 2, he's suffering. And he loses his dojo. And then in Karate Kid 3, which was my vehicle. Which was my vehicle. And I couldn't do what they written had written for me to do. The Sting, Mike Barnes, and for Ralph. Uh, there wasn't a Terry Silver. It was all my vehicle. Right. And I got a TV series called Hard Time on Planet Earth completely uh, collided with schedules. And I remember having a conversation with Jeff Katzenberg and saying, can we start a little later on the series? It was Disney and CBS. And they said, no, you're the only star. You, we've got to, you got to do it. And I love you in those movies. But so we brought in, they rewrote it and brought in a character called Terry Silver. So technically Terry Silver... Got that part. Thomas Ian Griffin did a great job. And then he got to come and play in Cobra Kai. Yeah. yeah. Which is a great element to bring in. Oh, yeah. Throw a wrench in the entire situation. Just, yeah, just bringing that in has, has changed things so much. As you, uh, Martin, as you talk about the uh, the balance between the, the Miyagi-Do and the Cobra Kai, just to find that balance, uh, did Koala Kai help you find a, find a balance too? <laughs> Well, you know, Koala Kai was really interesting because I kept bugging them. I said, can't you find a name a little more macho than Koala? What were, names, what were the names that they came up with? They kept, <laughs> Kai. They kept up with all the, but they wanted something softer. And I said, oh, no, I dig it. I dig it. And I, I like, I like what you, you know, we played with the script, my manager and I, and they were very open. QuickBooks was great. Very open. And the director was terrific. And I wanted to do that kind of thing. I like to show that there's another side of Martin Cove as the actor, you know? 
And um, Jesse and I, Jesse stars in a movie called A Taste, um, a Taste for Love. And Jesse's romantic lead. And we'll tell him about that. Because there was well, we a did. We, we were talking about it last time we did this. We're actually doing yeah, ADR. Tell us. Tell us. Yeah. Well, we're, we're doing ADR for it next week. Uh, it's a movie last time we spoke that I was shooting down in Dunedin, Florida. And it's just a beautiful movie about a girl who comes from Atlanta, goes to her hometown in um, in Dunedin, Florida, where the movie take movie takes place. And, you know, she kind of goes back to her roots and she ends up seeing me again, her old flame. And, you know, we kind of have a rough start and, uh, you know, and then we kind of rekindle our love and it gets pushed and pulled apart. And I don't want to give too much away, but it's just a lovely story. It surrounds family and food. And my dad plays her father in the movie. And it's just a wonderful story. Aaron Cahill plays uh, the lead, the female lead. She's just incredible. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful story. A good friend of ours, Lincoln Logason, is producer. And... We shot in Dunedin, which was such a wonderful, wonderful town. We had so, probably one of the funnest movies we've ever done because of shooting it in, in Dunedin, Florida. It was just so magical. And no edge. My character had no edge. He was a restaurateur who inherits this restaurant from his mother. And it was so soft. And I loved it. And, you know, I, I, you know, I brought, I mean, the nicest thing for me was I brought tears to all the crew member while doing this one scene about my mother leaving this restaurant to me. And it's a scene with Aaron. And it was just stuff I don't get a chance to do on Cobra Kai, you know, except being in jail, which you can't go into. You know? <laughs> it's, um, it's really fun to go back and forth and do those characters. And uh, I enjoy that very much. I really do. And watching Jesse play the... You know, every every heavy wants to be a leading man. Every leading man wants to be a heavy. And, you know, watching my son do the kind of role that I would like to do, the romantic lead, walking the beach with a beautiful woman, taking her in his arms and kissing her. I said, shit, I've been doing this for 50 years. I've had one opportunity to do that, you know? And, I, and it was a movie called White Light, you know? And... Bottom line was, it, it was such a pleasure to do this and to see my son do these Clark Gable roles. I mean, I, I just, you know, to me, it's worth its weight in gold. It doesn't matter how much money they're paying you. You know, it's, it's, oh, just, thanks, Dad. it's just great, you know. <laughs> That's good. Cool. And so when is that going to be coming out soon, Jesse? Is that? Uh... Yeah, they're working on a, a deal right now. Uh, we're finishing up some post-production stuff on it. So you'll see it probably within the next, uh, you'll probably see it in early uh, 2023. Nice, nice. So we be and again, tell love. us the name of it. Uh, a taste of love. A taste of love with uh, Jesse Cove. What other projects are you uh, working on, Jesse? Well, the one I've been talking about recently, which I'm most excited about. One of the reasons I'm growing my hair out and everything, and, um, and I actually just shaved yesterday. Oh, uh, hair, hair game, bud. Maddie's working on it. Too. Yeah, look at that. Uh, I just look like a dirty hippie, though. Jesse looks good. I look like somebody's going to throw a quarter in my cup. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting sure. for the boop. You don't say no, though. You know, I mean, getting me a quarter. No, no, absolutely quarter? not. A quarter, yeah, yeah. quarter is a quarter, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm doing, I'm playing Wyatt Earp in a movie that's a prequel to uh, Tombstone. And it's when Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp first met. Um, and it's it's an incredible, incredible story. And uh, I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for people to see this. Uh, personally, I love this story. And um, <clears throat> I just can't wait for people to, to see you know, me try and take on this role, which I'm very, very excited about. I, I do, I, I basically buy it up in real life, 
you know, I ride horses. I do shoot revolvers and all that stuff. So, I, you know, I'm going to try and bring an element to it that's uh, a little different than what we've seen before. So I'm excited. Wow. And that's going to be shooting soon. That'll be probably towards the end of the summer. And you're playing wider. Yep. Younger wider. Amazing. Amazing. So, uh, <laughs> so there's, there's sort of a, something that it, it sort of continues. Martin, you did something in the wider that was in the 90s, didn't you? Yeah, you did. No, you did wired up with Kevin Costner. I had yeah. a great time. Yeah, right, great so. time. You know, he's he's everything he does, he turns into a Western. Whether it's Waterworld, Postman, Tin Cup, he just turns it all into a Western. You know, and he's doing four two hours this summer, um, I think called Horizon, I think it's called. And um, you know, he's he's just he's just great to work for. I cried when I left the set. That's how much I love being part of that company. Larry Kasdan directing you, you know. You just, it doesn't get better than that. You know, it, it was a story. It was a story of the ERP trilogy. And it was originally created by Dan Gordon to be three, two hours on cable. And then Kasdan came in and it became a um, one movie about the ERP family, different than Tombstone, which was basically about Tombstone. You know, even though Tombstone is a classic, you know, just a classic movie. And same people, may rest in peace. John Fasano, one of the writers of Tombstone, had a hand in writing this script, and um, it's. I played, you know, I'm going to play this, the mayor who brings Wyatt Earp from Wichita into Dodge City, and um, it's it's just a couple of days, but it's really, I want to be part of it because it's a good western, and we need a good western right now. We need that moral fiber to give these kids a little hero. Yes. Kids don't have a goddamn hero and we need one. Do you do you oh. see, do you foresee uh each of you more more westerns in the future for uh for films, for TV shows? Do you see more of those old school coming back? Yeah, I mean there's a lot of stuff out now that's been really great. 1883 and Yellowstone. I think that's kind of kicked off a great yeah. uh energy around westerns and you know, we've got some stuff in the works that we're trying to put together right now. That that's getting a lot of interest, uh, you know, our own projects and and uh, I think it's you know every all actors love to do westerns. It's like the true nitty gritty of of you know like cinema is doing a western. You know, just getting getting out there, you know, in in the in the wilderness and getting dirt on you and riding a horse and you got a revolver. It's kind of like it's like every you know even for women, it's like a, you know they just love it. It's such a great great time. So you know, also get in right that uh, that early Americana, something that we we were talking about before, to be able to get a win and uh, and share those stories, right? So we're missing all, cigars. miss it so much, right? Yeah. And some cigars and whiskey in there, yeah. That's that's what. But, uh, but it's got to be. See, the difference is Red River Searchers. You know, my favorite westerns are The Wild Bunch, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Red River, um, Butch Cassidy, you know, Tombstone and White Earp, but. Bottom line is today, because the kids are so hip and so sophisticated, if you don't create, let's just be perfectly honest, from 1920 to 1967, one of every, this is a statistic in Cowboys and Indians magazine, one of every three Western, one of every three movies in Hollywood from the 1920 to 1967 was a Western. So it's a highly overexposed genre. And to make it different, whether we do The Mandalorian or we do Star Wars, the bottom line is if you want to go back to 1883, you're going to have to write it as well as Taylor Sheridan. You're going to have to write it where we care 
so much about these characters. We cry in every episode of 1883. And if you want to do a full-length feature like that, you're going to have to love the characters. You're going to have to be different with your plot. And you're going to have to have all the elements that, well, that I saw last night in Elvis. Right. Otherwise, no one's going to go. And no one's going to... Then the sheep in Hollywood are not going to make 10 more Westerns because they need to have one that's super successful. And then everybody starts making a Western. Just how it goes, you know? Right. By the way, I have a whiskey question for you. Yes, please. Tell me what, what sweet mash rye is. Ah, I'm glad you asked. So that wonderful sweet mash, which I have uh, behind me here from Hard Truth. There's only a few distilleries that do this. Only like three, I think, in the whole country. Uh, sweet mash and sour mash. Most all bourbons and ryes are made uh, in a sour mash style, meaning they keep a little bit left over in that fermenter tank from that last run, uh, from that last recipe. With sweet mash, they actually clean out the tanks and they do it all new. And Hard Truth in Nashville, Indiana, uh, is one of the ones that does this so well. Uh, this rye is just with, with the elements of earth and spice and fruit, everything that comes through here. And this one's 116 proof. So this is some serious proof here right from the barrel. They do it really well. I think we probably will be seeing more uh, sweet mesh uh, whiskeys done. It's a lot more expensive. It's a lot more uh, time consuming. But is it's 116 really proof for a bourbon. Uh, is that higher than than your normal? It is. It is. Usually they um, they proof it down to between 80s and 90s. But we're seeing so many more <laughs> consumers that love the high proof and distilleries that love to put it out. I hear that they have a little deal. You get training wheels to put on either side of your legs after you after you drink it. Yeah, if you have enough proof, it's a great uh, idea, right? I, you sent those along with these. I appreciate that. The little yeah, absolutely. No, they're great. And I tell you, I love bourbon pairings um, with cigars, but I love rye. I mean, the way the spice of the rye brings out cigars that elevates the spice. Uh, the other one there that you'll try later, Jesse, is the double oak, and they put it in all types of barrels to really accentuate the flavors of wow. the bourbon so you're gonna love the double oak it's it's really kind of like a cigar in itself but i'm doing mine on a little bit of rocks uh today because of the heat and just letting it uh letting it open up which i think i love works, it uh, well have you tried hold on have you tried um the, the, we did a ufc watch party uh, yeah. a month ago it was really really fun mm. and um um what's his name jesus how could i just forget his name uh runs the ufc um dana white uh, yeah dana white sent us his howler whiskey that he has have you tried that i've heard about this haven't tried it how did you like it uh, we haven't tried it yet either so okay. i was just curious we've we've yeah. got it here so i was just curious but uh definitely looking forward to these two uh, yeah send much. us anything new because i educate people at my house and you know we'll have a group here and we'll do the cigars and it, it's sort of like if you think about it because we've been big fans of the offer they drink bourbon they're smoky this smoky yeah. that bob evans drinks it's all the names that I'm not familiar with, you know? And um, because years ago when I drank, I, I would drink tequila mostly. But I remember buying tequila, it was 1999, it was Chinaco tequila. Yes. The first, the first snifting tequila. And on the back of the label, they would say, pour into a snifter and just work it, you know? Yeah. And that's how I learned, honest to God, that's how I learned to drink tequila because yeah. my parents, were Jewish. All they had was Canadian Club and Crown Royal. And that's it. And I remember 
you know, not, not to sound like one an alcoholic, but every time I had a first date, what I would do is I would take, just to be more uninhibited, I thought I would go take the Canadian club and spill it into a shot club and take it, brush my teeth, and then I was ready for my first date. It only was on a first date. You know? <laughs> I was 17, 18, and, you know, and I felt more uninhibited, and it, and it worked its way that way, you know? Yeah, te tequila can often be good on a lot of first dates. I think it can really help uh, start a conversation going and can put people at ease. Chinaco is, uh, is good. I mean, it was uh, one of the first three that was 100% agave that came over to the U.S. in the 90s, and it's it's really a nice one. Is it still around, Chinaco? You can still find it, yeah. yeah. Much more expensive now. I remember yeah. Green Nuts on Sunset Boulevard, 19.99, and then now I, I looked at it a couple of years ago, it was 50 bucks, you know, yeah. and um, every, I mean, everything, you know, is going up, but the bottom line is um, it was the smoothest. Is it still sure. considered one of the smoothest amongst rock has a tequila Clooney has a tequila. Yeah. We like, we like those two. Uh, Chinaco uh, El Tesoro was another one. There was one of the original hundred percent agaves. Uh, we enjoyed some of the Patrons. There's some, there's quite a few that I really like. Casamigos, there's there's a number. And it's tequila really has, as far as growth, tequila and mezcal have both grown just in in just massive ways the last two and a half. Yeah, mez years. Mezcal's yeah. exploded. I never thought I yeah. would hear uh med the word mezcal Negronis uses every third or fourth thing <laughs> a year. Like I take a mezcal Negroni. I was like, well, all right. Is it isn't that does it still have the worm on the bottle? The Some bottom of, of the them, bottom? there's one brand that does have it in the bottom. So Jose Cuervo, that used to be the Cuervo thing with the worm at the bottom. Yeah, I tell you, that I, that was a macho thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like, who's drinking the worm? You're like, wait, I'm already three shots in. I got this. Yeah, exactly. We haven't talked about this, but we can say to you guys, yeah. Paul, we've got, he's got a drink coming out, um, in, uh, which is called Hard. I'll show you a picture of it. And uh, we just posted about it the other day, but this is it here. Oh, very, wow. very cool. What's it uh, called again? Uh, hard, the hard. Company, wow. The company behind it is called is is uh, Hard Original, and uh, it's an energy drink. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. It's really cool. What's what does it taste like? Uh, this one I think is uh, this is just a caffeinated um, sparkling drink. It's got like B vitamins and taurine and all that in. It. I think is this it? one, and this one's like a it's a strike hard. So I think this one might be like a punch flavored. Yeah, is it like hints of no mercy or what? Yeah, yeah. Basically, if you drink it, you're gonna start. You know, you're gonna have the best workouts ever, and you know, you're just gonna be punching walls that you don't like. Yeah. But it's flavorful. That sounds good. So there's I, gonna be several different show on that when it comes out, especially to all my people Robert. in the uh, in the food and beverage industry. I Robert. think I, I I smell another show about that energy drink, guys. Yeah, the pre-sales right now are, are going really well. So uh, we'll of course send you guys some when, when we've got them. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I haven't even tried them yet. I love it. So a lot of things to look forward to. Will that will that drop about the same time that season five comes? It'll be or? in the fall. It'll be in the right fall. Around the fall. So many people looking forward to it, including myself and Maddie. It's uh, season five. Cobra Kai, I'm sure uh, quite a few surprises uh, to come. Um, any? I should ask you guys this. Anything, any other shows you all enjoy? I mean, I'm sure there's shows you all enjoy watching together. You mentioned Westerns. Yeah, I mean, shows you are watching. Offer is one we just finished that we the love. Um, what else was there? I, I'm enjoying Obi Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus right yeah. now. It's been really, really fun. 
Um, also, um, what else was there? Well, we watched that movie the other night that, that was unbelievable budget for an Amazon movie, and it was brilliant. Oh, The Tomorrow War. That was the movie we really liked. Whoa. That was the one with Chris Pratt? Yeah. That was exceptional. Very well done. I mean, really well done. And, you know, last night, uh, yesterday when we interviewed the stunt coordinator, he worked on... Stranger Things is also something I've been... Stranger Things. Stranger Things is great. You know, there was yesterday watching the guy playing... I can't remember. It was an Australian TV series that he started as an attorney that was on Netflix. It was brilliant. And um, he plays the father of Elvis. Uh, But, you know... There's a lot of stuff that comes in. There was a wonderful show, La, Revo- La Revolution, which was all about the revolution, the reign of terror in France. And a lot of shows come into Netflix that are from Sweden. Great, you know, was it the Vi- it was uh, Vikings of Valhalla. That was just terrific. Because the History Channel opened up the Viking world to us, and I love that culture. But then I realized that when Vikings were just you know, after they farm, they would just go out and rape and pillage. And those kind of stories got old quick because or they were just violence. And But when the Viking stories like um, Valhalla Vikings talks about family and conflict and all the things going on in a family that go on today, went on back in 1100 and, and, and 900 in that period of time. And the Vikings kind of disappeared when they basically, you know, sort of outlived an era in about 1100, 1200. But stories of that area, anything that comes on Netflix, and that Valhalla Vikings was brilliant on, on Netflix. And um, it's really good stuff. And I find we're into period pieces. So yeah. things that really take us, and I could learn something about, there's a lot of you know revolutionary war shows that are out there. And I, I just enjoy them. It takes me away like a cigar like a good a good, good whiskey, you know, good script. Just takes me away, and that's why I got a ranch. I'm not interested in, unfortunately, being contemporary. I'll either be futuristic warrior who comes back from the past into the future, or I'll stay back there in 1883, you know? It's just my period, you know? That's, oh, that's perfect. And I should probably ask, because the... Uh... You've watched a little Stranger Things since Stranger Things uh, season four, volume two is dropping or just has dropped this week. If you all together were going to take on the Demogorgon, is there a karate move you would use? Uh, I think one, he'd probably sweep the Demogorgon's leg very quickly. I, yeah. Uh, and then he would do, he would strike first into the face with a, with fire around his fist. Yeah. I, I would think that would do it. I am so happy that it wasn't me who had to mention sweep the leg first. Oh yeah, because I, I was I was just sitting on it, literally ready yeah. ready to pounce. We feel like we may hear that like, at some point, like an hour in, and there's no sweep the leg. I'm starting to sweat and stuff. I'm like, come on, gotta 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 work it in there one way. I mean, how amazing is that? Thirty five years later, that's part of American yeah. pop culture we still use today. It, it's it's amazing, and people say it. The walk wherever I go, I'll, I'll go into the. A, bit, uh, a, a security office. I'll never forget this one. I have to hit a button, say who you are, driving into the lower um, parking lot, and the guy can see you on the camera. <laughs> he sees you on the camera and he'll let you in. And the place had never been before. So I press the button, and all of a sudden I hear, 
I said, I said, it's Martin Cove. I said, it's Marty. And he said, no mercy. <laughs> and, and he goes in, you know, I had never been there before. And the guy goes, no mercy. And it lets me in. I could have been a terrorist with fucking 50 caliber machine guns mounted in my car. <laughs> because, because it's that dialogue that just is, is what it is. You know, it's just... Um, I can't be, begin to tell you how many times I've I've overused that, and you know, at a live fight and everything else, you know, they're in the corner. I'm like, sweep the leg. They just look back over me and like, dude, you got you got to stop. And they're like, sweep the leg. Like, ah, well, well Maddie, right, I did I didn't know if it would be you or me that had to ask this. Or we, I see several people commenting below, but because we all take on our demons and our demigorgons. All the viewers of Cigar Saturday, we all do. We all need a little advice and encouragement from Sensei. Can you just tell us one time what we need to do? When we get a little down on ourselves, emotionally, you have to remember that I, one thing that kept me going as an actor is whenever I didn't get a part, it was their mistake. And I always thought that from the get-go. And I knock on wood, I've never had to take, in, take another job to subsidize myself since 1970. And I'm in the business 50 years. And it's, I always believe that and I always instill that into Jesse's head, you know? And um, tenacity is what kept John Kreese going. And when Terry dropped out, and paid the rent, and I just kept Cobra Kai going. It was tenacity. And why did he remove Billy from Cobra Kai and say it's my dojo now? Because you violated the values. You got soft and violated the values of Cobra Kai. Mercy is for the weak, and that that works for me. I don't use it vindictively, but it still holds up. And I've learned that from Robert Kamen's writing that keep that sensitivity going but remember in the back it's their mistake if something doesn't work out i can correct it and i'll be better next time and it's all about self-growth self-belief self-confidence and fuck them if they're bad if they're hey bad. i love that philosophy look look cheers i love it yes sensei all right guys thank you it, it means a lot to have you all uh jesse cove martin cove both doing some amazing projects and more projects to come it sounds like from you both you're working on them i want to just mention it one more time the podcast to go Stick, to is kicking it with the coves coves you love it it's really family and it's articulate and if you lock in if no one's ever watched it the first Put on the writers, the creators, I think the episode's called The Creators of Cobra Kai. And they reveal exciting things about the show that if you didn't know, it's great to hear. Because you're hearing it from the mouth of the people that secured Ralph Macchio, William Zabka, and myself and created this phenomenon that's going into season five on September 9th. Yeah, boy. Congratulations to you both. And th thanks, for, thanks for all you've done to bring this back, to be here with us.
thanks for being on Cigar Saturday with Matty and I. Thank you, Bourbon Blog. Much love, guys. Much appreciate. Good smoking, boys.